Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're live, pal. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome back, everyone, to the A Side Live Show here on MMAFighting.com. It's been, I think, two weeks since the last time we did this because we've obviously I've obviously been in Fight Island traveling and we've had weigh-ins, media days, fights, you name it, when we're supposed to be doing this. Uh, so we took about a two-week break, but we're back now. I uh, hope everyone, I hope everyone missed us. But if you didn't, <laughs> why? Anyway, to get to the point, uh, you guys know the drill, questions, answers, all that. We're same format as always. Joining us this week, I was hoping to get someone on that was on Fight Island with me. So I turned to the man who I sat next to at every single media day and sat in front of at every single weigh-in, Chisanga of the Sun. Am I, is that, am I saying, am I remembering that correctly? Correct, that's correct. Thanks for having me Sang- on, guys. It's, it's an honor. Yeah, Chisinga Mulata, of course, one of the top UK journalists in the MMA scene. He's done great work all week. Sat next to him, picked his brain, saw him write stories, all kinds of stuff. We shared iPhone chargers. We shared camera chargers. You name it. We probably had to share it this week, uh, the last two weeks at uh, on Fight Island. And, of course, Casey Lydon, producer extraordinaire on the ones and twos. Casey, how's Englewood? Inglewood is very good. It's, it's 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 very cold. I woke up this morning. It was forty nine degrees. I was like, Ugh. oh boy, Can't what's that this. in Celsius? What? What's that in Celsius? Yeah, oh. What's that? <laughs> so, so that's not real Celsius. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> this, is, this is America. I mean, we use, we believe in freedom and Fahrenheit. Man, is, come on. We had to. I had to get used to saying things in Celsius and. All that kind of and meters and everything. Speaking with all the the European journalists and stuff, or, or coaches too, they'd ask me like, "Oh, what's the weather in Arizona?" I'd say like, "Oh, I guess up to 118," and they would just look at me like I was like, "They're like, what does that even mean?" And I had to like conversion <laughs> and everything. But Sango, how's the weather in the UK? Because Casey says it's cold. 49 is not even freezing, uh, if you're not aware. So how's the weather in the UK? It on. Um- on the day that we got back, on I've even lost track of what day it was. It was sun. It was Sunday night. We got back, and there was just snow everywhere, like just yeah. covered. And, and as soon as they opened uh, the the aircraft door, I could just feel the chill coming through, and I was just like, "This is just not what I was used to." Because I, I was wearing shorts and everything still, like because I, I I packed in a rush because I still had deadlines to, to to meet when I got back to the hotel. So literally, I just chucked on shorts and then I just went. And then I the door opened when we arrived, and it was just cold as hell. <laughs> That's what I, I knew you were going to say that because I saw like the Raptors from the full reptile team. Uh, they posted they were walking through snow and when they got off. I had to drive through an ice storm between Vegas and Phoenix. So that was fun on the way back. Six, like 16 hour flight into a four hour drive through the snow. 
I survived. Oh, Saw a bunch of car crashes, though, up in the mountains. It is what it is. No one wants to hear about that. But you guys know the drill. You can ask us any questions you want. Saying if you haven't seen the show before, we just answer fan questions about pretty much anything the fight fans want to watch. We talk mostly about fighting, but every now and then we get the random tangent. We had Mike Chiesa once on, and he spoke for about 45 minutes on Bigfoot and the lore behind oh, wow. that. So, uh, yeah, we get all kinds of weird questions. So, Casey, without further ado, what's our first question? First question. Get out of here, Jessica Crystal. Oh, shout out to Jessica Crystal Crew. <laughs> Long time comment. All right, we're going to go first. Let's start. Hmm. Start with the big questions. We, people, when you, when you submit questions online to us, each make, make each question a post because now we have these giant questions. I didn't feel like breaking we have it giant, up, so We have giant blocks. <laughs> so from Tristan Gordet on the site, I knew he would he he to his credit tweeted us this morning and said just a heads or last night. Just a heads up, I'm gonna have a bunch of questions. So I woke up this morning expecting a million questions from Sir Tristan. Anyway. McGregor's status as a contender, Dustin's place in UFC history, and Pena's call out of Nunes. So this is three different questions, so we'll start at the top. After reading A.K. Lee's article about McGregor, do you think his days as a legitimate UFC contender are behind him? So yes, of course, after we finish this episode of The A-Side, go to MAFighting.com and read my our colleague Alex K. Lee's article on it. Well written, but just saying, I'll start with you. You were, you and I were in attendance. We saw the Dustin Poirier's TKO of Conor McGregor live and in person. This is now his second loss at 155. He's of course beat Donald Cerrone, and sandwiched between that was his loss to Habib and his loss to Dustin Poirier. So, are McGregor's days as a legitimate UFC contender behind him after seeing last Saturday's performance? No, I, I I don't think so by by any stretch of the imagination. I think I I, I don't want to say that that's a a, a casual uh, question or a casual or a casual notion that's being perpetuated. But that is what I've been seeing from uh, from people who aren't really familiar and immersed in the sport. I mean, let's let's not forget Connor won the first round and he he looked good in in the first round. I mean, that left hand was landing early early doors and. In the, in the clinches as well, he reversed position very well, and he landed some good knees in the clinch. So I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that he's that he's no longer a legitimate uh, lightweight contender or title contender in any division. I think that's a grave disservice to Dustin Poirier for people to be saying that because I think people are forgetting that Dustin Poirier, prior to fighting Connor, he'd beaten four former world champions: Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, and who's the fifth one? Um, Max Holloway. So yeah, I think Connor is still still a, a world class fighter. Obviously, the questions about him being a legitimate lightweight contender are, are I think they were somewhat answered with the performance in, in the first round. But I think he needs an emphatic victory in his next fight to truly silence those people that are asking those questions. Yeah, and I saw a question that I'm sure we're going to talk about later on about, or oh, actually it's this one uh, right here. So as it stands today, can we say that Dustin Poirier is the second greatest lightweight fighter in UFC history? Is there any other fighter in the division that present or past that has a better resume than he does? The man has fought nothing but killers in the division. So going off of that, we actually were speaking of this in the airport a little bit uh, amongst the media. A lot of us didn't really have a problem if you put Dustin Poirier number two, probably behind Habib in terms of greatest lightweights of all time. So if Connor if if this is what we're going off of, if we uh, if we put Dustin Poirier second greatest behind Habib, 
That means the only people Connor's lost to at lightweight in the UFC are the first and second greatest lightweights yeah. of all time. So it's nothing to hang your head at, man. It's not like you're losing to bums. And of course, he beat Eddie Alvarez, who we all agreed would probably be top five lightweights of all time in all of MMA. And then Donald Cerrone, of course, has all the has pretty much every UFC record out there. But Casey, uh, where is our a two part question? Are Connor's days as a contender behind him? And where do you slot Poirier in the annals of great lightweights in MMA history? Did you see those pay-per-view sales that Connor got? Yeah. That's yeah. all that matters right now. Yeah, that's all that matters. He could lose 30 times in a row. As long as, as, as he's selling a million pay-per-views, he will always be a lightweight uh, title contender. I don't care. That's just how the business works. Um, now, do, will he win the belt ever again? I seriously doubt that. But he's still a very exciting, exciting, entertaining fighter. So, yeah, we're going to see him in title number one contender fights probably another title fight just you know just because he beats you know someone outside the top 10 like but he'll we'll, we'll see him there he, that, that the, the idea that he's not gonna be a top contender is kind of ridiculous now being a champion that's another story um man but con dustin poirier the second greatest uh lightweight ever well ufc history okay ufc history i don't have a problem with it <sighs> Like he's interim champ, yeah. and he's like, look at he's beating Eddie, he's beating Pettis, he's beating Gaethje, he's beating Holloway, he's uh, he, he's beating Holloway twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has lo- the draw. He's beating Jim Miller, like, Who's but he name? has lost to Michael Johnson and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, he's rattled. He's like, but just to sh- like he's lost, and then he's bounced back and ran through oh, yeah. a, a string of killers. So uh, how you bounce back, I think, plays a major factor too. But I have no problem if you put him number two and maybe Tony Ferguson number three. Yeah, yeah, I I'm, I'm in I with you. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm not. I, I I feel I feel all those can bounce around. I think I think the only one I that we know is one. But I think I think the story is still. I think the story isn't finished yet for Poirier and Ferguson. Yeah. So and Connor, in fact. So um and and Chandler, freaking. <laughs> it's like there's, yeah. there's yeah, still there's still many there's so many stories that are still haven't gone to their final act yet as far as their career. Yeah. So I I'm, like, and, and if, if Eddie wins the one, if Eddie Alvarez yeah, wins yeah, one championship title, then he has Bellator title, UFC title, mm-hmm. one championship title mm-hmm. where I've saw a question that I'm sure is coming up. RDA is probably somewhere in there. And yeah. uh, I pulled up, we got the numbers right here on pay-per-view buys ever. So the highest selling pay-per-view of all time, UFC 229, Habib Connor did 2.4 million. And then Poirier McGregor did 1.6. Diaz McGregor two did 1.6. McGregor Cerrone did 1.3. McGregor Diaz did 1.3. Then Alvarez McGregor did 1.3. And then Usman Masvidal did 1.3. And Lesnar Mir did 1.3. So pretty much the top six to five slots are all involved in Conor McGregor. So as long as he that trend continues, he's going to be in the top of the division no matter what. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final question from Tristan uh, did Juliana's, Juliana Pena's call out of Nunes make sense don't think she was being realistic it sounded like she was making excuses on her losses at the press conference so for those of you who didn't watch uh, the press conferences that are all on our YouTube channel Juliana Pena uh, beat Sarah McMahon tapped her and then immediately called out Amanda Nunes a lot of people laughed I didn't have a problem with the call out because you're not going to get what you don't ask for does the fight make sense but I don't have a problem with any I think Chael Sonnen said it best, like, you should be calling out the champ. I don't have a problem if anyone calls out the champ. She is coming off losses. She's had a bunch of losses. Amanda Nunes clapped back. Nina Ansaroff clapped back. Uh, Sanga, what did you make of Juliana Pena's call out of the champ, Amanda Nunes? 
Um, like everyone else in attendance at the Etihad uh, Arena, I was a bit perplexed, to be honest. Um, but as, as you said there, you quoted Chael Sonnen that you don't you don't get what you don't ask for. So, and you should be calling out the champion. But I I struggled to see what laid what what claim to a title shot that she, she can have. Obviously, she's uh, well, she's she's two and two in her last four, and then she had the lengthy layoff between. Was that between the Shevchenko fight and the Montano fight? So she's not been that yeah. active. So, but don't get me wrong, would it be an entertaining fight? Yes, but I was perplexed, but not as perplexed as Amanda, who, as you said, clapped back with a, a tweet that banged pretty much and like was retweeted loads and liked <laughs> loads of times. I think she said something along the lines of, you can't even make yourself a contender. So, I mean, and she Nina, gets Nina responded with twice because apparently, like, Juliana lost to Valentina and then she lost to Jermaine Durandamy. I would assume if she won either of those fights, she probably would have got the title fight. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 100%. Especially the Durandamy, the, the, the I'm butchering her name right now, at the end of her, uh, a former world champion. That would have definitely got her the title shot. But I think she needs another win at least to, to be campaigning seriously for Amanda Nunes shot and having a, a claim to a title shot. I don't have a problem if they do give her the title shot, mostly because Holly Holm and GDR have lost to Amanda, and they seem to be one-two right there. So if you want yeah. fresh matchups and you want eyes on the division, Juliana Pena is outspoken. They've been like any sort of beef they have is going to sell. So I don't have an issue if they give it to her. I do get people being confused considering she's lost to she's lost two number one contender fights. But also, let's not forget she was on a four fight win streak, beat Kat Zingano, UFC two hundred, the yeah. only person that had beaten Amanda Nunez in a long time. And the only reason she didn't get the title shot was because Ronda Rousey returned. Like they they put her to the side to give Ronda the title, and then she ended up fighting Valentina a month later, was winning until she got submitted. Uh, so I don't have a problem if they give Juliana the the title fight just because it's a new matchup and they'll sell the hell out of that fight. Uh, but I get why people were a little perplexed by the call. I don't have a problem with it. Casey, you looked uh, you looked like you had something to say. Oh, I thought it was a, I thought her calling out uh, Nunes for the title was perfect because I actually think it is a good call out. Like you said, uh, UFC doesn't like doing rematches, so I doubt I doubt we're going to see uh, Nunes Holly Holm. That we're going to see Nunez JD. Um, uh, Nunez is two and zero against GDR. That fight's not happening. Yeah, I know. So that's not going to happen. And the, the UFC for some reason booked Holly Holm and Arena Aldana. Aldana should have got that fight, but Aldana lost to Holly yeah, Holm, so true. Aldana's out of the running. <laughs> I don't think Caitlin Vera has a fight coming up like next week or something. Who does that leave? If Nunez, that's why I, I don't. I don't understand champs who go like, "How dare you call out the champ." Like, I don't get that. You know, like, Nunez is a champ. She should be like, yeah, every single woman that weighs 135 pounds in the world should be calling me out. That's what that's what being the champ is about. So I, I, I know everyone's like, oh, Nunez got her. But like to me, it's like, no, you're, you're the champ. You you don't you don't you don't get to decide. You know, maybe you, do, you don't want to fight Pena because, you go, oh, no one knows. Her. I ain't gonna make enough money. If you want to go that route, that's something. But as far as Julia Pena being a uh, credible competition. Yeah, she's earned that shot. And the way the UFC has done their matchmaking, he is kind of the only one caught up to him. Yeah, it caught Caught up to them. Yeah, so um, actually, um, I think it's a great call out. Now, when Julia Pena called out Megan Anderson for getting a title fight, that made zero sense. Right? That that just made zero sense. I don't I don't know if Julia Pena didn't realize that was a different weight class or something, but that one made no sense at all. So um, I think that Megan Anderson part kind of confused everyone. So it kind of added to the 
weirdness of it because just Pena calling for a title shot was kind of news enough, but then she added the Megan Anderson part, which just which was just weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Again, I don't have like they should have done Juliana and Irene for the number yeah, one contender yeah, yeah. on the last fight island because that would that would have been two. Whoever won that was a fresh matchup for the champ. And then you could have done GDR and Holly in a three round rematch, you know, That's because they had a, the first time they fought was at 145. But uh, USC be dumb and making dumb things, making dumb decisions. I know I see people in the comments saying they want Valentina, Amanda. Uh, I think the UFC is really gung ho on Valentina and Wei Li. So if that's the route they're taking, fine. But I don't think we're going to see Valentina, Amanda anytime soon. No, I, I mean, there, there, there is an appetite for it because obviously, um, when did they fight? It was September 2017, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, was around, and that was a close fight. I mean, very close. I personally I had Valentina winning. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think there, there is, there, yeah, there are people clamoring for it, and 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 you could sell it, especially because Valentina, she's on like a six fight win streak since then, defended the belt four times, I believe. Dominant, dominant defenses too, not just you know, yeah, yeah. Like not even competitive. Yeah, I also stylistically, Juliana Pena versus Amanda is a fun fight without the trash talk because Amanda, we haven't really seen her off her back a whole lot. And Juliana is very much a wrestling heavy, a heavy wrestler. Uh, everyone was expecting that again, the Felicia Spencer fight didn't play out like that, but I think at 135 with Amanda depleting her body from 145 to 135 again, I just like that fight as a fight, even without the trash talk of the title. But regardless, I hope that fight happens uh, down the next for both women, but who knows with the UFC. All right. Thank you for the questions. Tristan, <laughs> I hope we answer them. <laughs> uh, here we go. From another, another question <laughs> from Terrence, this time on Twitter. Volkanovski has been on a Twitter sneak dissing Max this past week. I know he feels disrespected because Max is the people's champ. The perception is Alex is a point fighter, which is frowned upon in MMA. Do you think Alex should just let his hands do the talking like Stipe? Um... Yeah, so obviously Max Holloway had one of the greatest performances in the history of UFC main events while we were on Fight Island when he just decimated Calvin Cater uh, to the point where Dana White even said it reminded him of a fight where he was afraid Calvin might die, apparently, which was, I think, a little over the top. But I think it definitely hurts Alex's perception with the fans just because... He had two close fights. A lot of people thought Max won both. And then Max just goes on to crush Calvin Cater in the first fight after that. So it doesn't help. But Volkanovsky is just going to – I think his sneak dissing is funny. I would like to see a third fight. But you're saying, what'd you, what do you make of uh, Volkanovsky's comments the past few weeks? I mean, let let the champ say what he wants. You know, Do you know what I mean? I, I, have, I, have, I have no qualms with it. But I understand – I understand why he's coming out. I, I don't want to say guns blazing because that that that's a that's a bit um, over the top. But I understand why he's saying the things that he's saying it, because obviously there's still this narrative that Max won both both of the fights, and I think he still wants some of the well, yeah. I don't I don't want to say clout that Max has, but he, he, he wants to take some of the the fan base that that Max had and and the respect because as as uh, Terence put there, a lot of people still see him as a as a points fire. So I, I have no I have no qualms with it to be honest, but I'm I'm just looking forward to seeing him get in there with uh, Ortega, and I think that's in March, isn't it? If I'm correct. Yeah, it's the co-main event of Stipe and Francis too. Yeah, that's going to be a really really good fight, and if he wins, I believe that's going to be his twentieth consecutive win. 
which is insane. Years, but 20, just 20 overall, which is, which is crazy, man. And I, 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 I can't, he won, he won both fights. He won both fights. At, at the end of the day, no matter how we score it or how the people score it, in, in the record books, in 20 years from now, people will just see that he has two wins over Max Holloway. So let him talk how he wants to talk. And if he wants to go down the road of doing it, let his hands doing the talking. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to work for him, especially in this day and age where people like to see outspoken champions. Uh, but... Let, let him do what he wants. That's uh, I have no qualms with it. <laughs> I like Volkanovski too. The the guy wrote a children's book, is a champion of the <laughs> biggest fight promotion in the world, and we're out here talking about why he can't sell fights. I wish he was. He's a funny cat too. His his social media is yeah. funny. Uh, I can't remember who our our colleague Alex Savis refers to. She groups like Volkanovski and Whitaker and uh, Jan Blahovich into like a, a group of fighters where there's just. There's no issues with them. They're just like good, <laughs> funny people who just happen to be really high-level martial artists. Uh, but Casey, what do you make of the Volkanovski Holloway banter the past few weeks? Volkanovski is the champ. Um, actually, actually yeah. I think it's. I think it's a. I think it doesn't make Volkanovski look too. Volkanovski just, 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 he just, he just needs to make do screenshots of like UFC.com. Like, hey, look who's at the top. Me. That's that's me. That's my name. There I am, right there. Post a photo of his belt. Yeah, like that's hey, look got. at this. Hey, uh, uh, what do you, what do you, <laughs> this is mine. Hey, that's, that's <laughs> off. Um, he's he, this maybe this is a bit him being a prize fighter, him laying down the groundwork for you know future promotions. When I assume he thinks he's gonna beat um, Brian Ortega, and then you know, he'll face Max. So you know they have more you know beef to talk about. Maybe this is kind. Of, maybe he just needs that motivation in the gym. You no, know, because Jesus, I mean he's fought 15 minutes with Max Holloway. That's a lot of um I can see I, I can see him just being tired of Max Holloway. That that's just I'm just tired of it. But that's hey, until you knock Max Holloway out or something like that, or you no know, definitively beat him, yeah. it's it, it's always gonna be out there. You know, yeah, so. and Max's performance against Calvin has just satiated that the need for that re, that trilogy. Yeah. Just because Max looked unbelievable. So uh, Max looks like the best featherweight in the world against Calvin Cater. Obviously, styles make match like fights, and if Volkanovski just has the game plan to beat Max, it is what it is. Maybe Max will never beat Volkanovski, but Max Holloway pitched a perfect game against Calvin Cater, and that just people want that trilogy. I don't have a problem if they do it. I don't have a problem if they never do it because Max can always jump up to one fifty-five too. He's a pretty big featherweight and throw down at one fifty-five, which I would be fun with. I'd be mm-hmm. fine with too. But Max Alex is the champ. Can't take that away from him. Yeah, I think. Thank you for another yeah. question, Terrence. Don't don't worry, Volk. You'll you'll make you're making all this all this trash talk. You're just gonna be more money in your bank account later. So you're you're fine, <laughs> sir. Yeah. All right, all right, let's go to the YouTubers. This is the big question coming out of Fight Island. You ready? Irabi Elmeki, apologies if I mispronounce your name. What is in Otman Azatar's bag? So, yes, for those of you who aren't aware, Otman Azatar is no longer in the UFC because apparently he cut off his wristbands. That so, Casey, you on Fight Island every few days you have to take a COVID test, and then when you get your results, which apparently uh, Jasenga had a little bit of an issue with, I think what the second or third test results didn't they come in late or something like that? Yeah, the, so I went downstairs to get them to begin with, and the guy said, "Oh yeah, we'll 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 bring them to your room." And then a few hours later, no, like literally a couple <laughs> hours, before, 
meant to be getting the bus. There was no, <laughs> there was no uh, letter under the door. So then I was panicking. I went downstairs. And then I asked the guy, oh, do you have my results? And he's like, oh, I don't know where they are and whatever. Basically, one of his colleagues put it in, a, in the wrong drawer or whatever. But obviously, oh, I was panicking. I was, thinking, I was thinking, oh, what, have I tested positive? And this is their way of, like, trying to tell me. <laughs> but yeah, luckily, that wasn't the case. So, yes, uh, if there is – if in a in a world where everything works perfectly and you're not just saying it and that you lose your test results you take a test every few days and then when you get a new wristband the following day if you test negative and you get your physical copy stating negative just in case the airport uh, like requests uh, that you pr provide proof that you tested negative so i'm in that and they change the colors of the wristband every single time every single uh changing so Adman Azatar apparently cut his wristbands off and gave them to someone who then came into the hotel. I've heard a few stories. Some people say he gave them the wristbands before. Some people say they gave him after. I'm not quite sure, but he basically let someone inside the bubble, gave him his wristband, and this person brought a bag in with, yeah. with, whatever, with some unknown something. I don't know what it was. And then <laughs> ran away from security, got caught. Atman Azatar obviously got in trouble, and he's no longer in the UFC, and everyone was thrown out of the bubble. Uh, we asked Dana White. He had absolutely no idea. Uh, I was If Dan Hooker had won, apparently uh, – well, Dan Hooker, apparently his room was across the way from Atman, yeah. so he heard everything go down. We, we didn't get an opportunity to speak with him after, because, of course, he lost to Michael Chandler. But uh, I've heard a bunch of theories. Some people thought it was IVs. Some people thought it was banned substances. Some people thought it was uh, some crazy stuff that he was going to attack Connor with, which I, which I think is the least likely scenario. Uh, not quite <laughs> sure, but whatever it is, it cost him his job in the UFC. But yeah, that was a weird, that was a real weird situation. I still think it was a PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> I think PlayStation Five. That's what I think it was. It's like you guys get bored, man. It's, it's nothing to do in Fight Island. You think Fight Island is cool, but you're just stuck in a hotel room. So PlayStation Five. That's what it was. Yeah, I, I wish I brought uh, a PlayStation with me. One, one of my colleagues, uh, well, works for the same parent company. Uh, he was also on Fire Island as well. But he brought his PlayStation with him. So obviously during the first two days when we were quarantined in our room, he was totally fine. He was just playing on the PlayStation, surfing the internet and the big widescreen TV and, and what have you. But yeah, here I was scratching the walls, just trying to get... Because <laughs> I didn't have a balcony as well, unfortunately. So... The yeah, Casey, in in the hotel we stay at, there's some there's some rooms that have balconies and some that don't. Now, normally that's that normally the room should be the exact same, just minus a balcony. The ones without the balcony are substantially smaller uh, than the nice. ones with with the balcony. It's like you're in a prison cell. It's very bizarre. It's a five star prison because you can't open the windows, you can't walk outside. <laughs> Is that, it's is that, like, is like the, old, like old boy, like you know that that room that he was stuck in, old boy kind of like, like this. Not nice <laughs> you know sorta. Uh, <laughs> mine, like pretty much, my room was double the size of Jasanga's. Like I oh, had wow. room, like I could, I could do like I, if I wanted to, I could jump rope in my room. I don't think Jasanga could jump wow. rope in his room. Your room is that small. I can actually bring escaping rope with me as well, but as like you said, I, I there was not enough space. <laughs> that is sucks that sucks because every time i've gone to abu dhabi i stay at the w where the fighters stay at and like yeah usually i go with esther so we get like the big room you, you, yeah we get like the big room so i'm like ah oh, abu dhabi is great man i didn't realize you yuck now to, <laughs> now to be fair it's a still a really nice room 
it's oh, a yeah, small. of course. Like, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> one of the best beds that I've, I've ever, like, like slept every in. single room. Have you been into any of the rooms in the Crown? Crown, because we stay at the Crown Plaza. Every wanna, single room has a, has a, has like a CEO style desk attached to the wall that like wraps around and okay. it's like next to the television. It's so it's still a phenomenal room. It's just small. <laughs> and mine's bigger. Uh, shout out to Oscar Willis of the Mac Life, who got a suite. <laughs> he had like a living room. He had like a living room, like a ten foot desk, a balcony, everything. Like him and okay, uh, John sorry. Morgan of Chunky yeah. got got the suites. When the receptionist say, "Oh, this guy's from the he lives the Mac Life," we have to give him the best room. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's the Mac Life. Uh, I missed oh, this. I missed this comment earlier, but like, I like this. I like this comment. <laughs> Did Jose just say it is what it is for car crashes? Yeah, dog. I was driving back. So, yeah, I landed in – when I landed in Vegas, I drove back. And when the drive between Vegas and Phoenix, you have to go through the mountains. So, like, you go through Kingman, Arizona, Flagstaff. Uh, and it's it's the elevation is very high. And apparently it, it snowed in Las Vegas in general, but it was, like, wet snow. And then uh, parts of northern uh, Phoenix in the, the Peoria area also had a little bit of light snow. But driving back – down was unbelievable like there I, you couldn't see the roads you couldn't see the lines on the roads the snow was everywhere ice was everywhere cars were just like spinning out of control going into ditches it was insane so i'm like sitting there my jaw hurts after that because i was like clenching my jaw the whole time driving just like trying to focus i did like 20 miles an hour down a 75 mile an hour strip of road uh while my hazards were flashing because i couldn't even see like five feet in front of me it's the most stressed i've ever been driving a car it's drizzling right now in LA, so I feel you. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> I feel yeah. you, man. It's, just, it's the same. It's the same thing I hear, man. It's dangerous out there. Thank you for the question. Yeah, Mr. it is what it is. Four car crashes, son. Thank you for your comment, Mister Babak. Babak. All right. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. 
That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Zakuko Kegi, longtime commenter. Do you believe Dana's story about how he stopped one person <laughs> from illegally streaming UFC 257? Uh, yeah, that was weird. We heard about this all week. That, this had been a story with the media for a long time. We were kind of trying to figure out how to ask it. Uh, I don't know if you watched Oscar's interview with Dana where he was interviewing Dana and he asked about it. And then Dana White said something and Oscar turns to the camera and he goes, because that's illegal. Like the same <laughs> kind of media. Shout out to Oscar for, for landing that one. But yeah, so this, and then we all knew we, we were going to have to ask it. Dana knew we were going to ask it and he was ready for it. I don't know how true it was. Uh, very bizarre situation, but yeah, Dana White apparently had the FBI monitoring uh, someone's house. Apparently, and this is what I heard from a few people there, that the new law or whatever was kind of buried in the, uh, what do you call it? The stimulus package. Stimulus packages. So there is language in the stimulus package all the way at the bottom in tiny lettering that basically makes the streaming thing a federal crime now. So now the FBI can get involved. I don't know all the details of it. So don't ask me about it. I'm the wrong person to ask. This is just all what I was told. So yeah, Dana White was ready. So apparently he wanted to put the fear of God into people. Uh, So if anyone is streaming, they're like, am I the next person that's caught? Uh, someone made a joke that uh, Otman, the thing in Otman Azantar's bag was a streaming device, <laughs> so they could stream <laughs> the fights live. But yeah, to say, what did you make of this whole? Because uh, obviously in the UK, I don't know the laws and stuff over there or what the pay per view the pay per view system is in 2021. But when Dana White is talking about how he has the FBI involved and they're spying on someone's house, what's going through your mind? Well, initially, I didn't know that he had the FBI on the case because initially he just said, we've got people watching his house, blah, 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 <laughs> watching the group. So I thought, all right, this is probably as illegal as the broadcasting of the, the product. <laughs> but look, I mean, the UFC, they lose a lot, a lot of money. So for, well, how many people bought the Conor fight? 1.6 million. Now think of yeah. how many people stream that as well. So let's be conservative and let's just say maybe half that amount of people streamed, streamed the fight. That's a lot, a lot of money. And, pay-per-view buys in america are, are they like 60 dollars if i'm so correct they're or? usually 55 for standard 65 for hd but for this connor one it was like 75 just because it's connor oh, wow gosh so yeah that's a lot of revenue you're missing out on if people are streaming but i mean I, I found it funny like initially i thought that oh yeah he's just being playful with this but as the week progressed and he kept getting asked about it more and more like he just kept on revealing more and it's like yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna get this guy and, and in particular when he was talking about scrolling through the instagram comments and he was like that's the guy i want i told my team that's the guy yeah <laughs> I, found, I found it funny but i mean fair play to him the man has a business to run and what have you and i mean at the end of the day fighters who are getting pay-per-view points are also missing out on money if people are streaming it Someone brought an idea to my to to my, to my Twitter mentions. They go, I wonder if Dana White knows how VPNs work because then they could just geotag themselves at Dana White's house, and then Dana White like, they're streaming from inside my house, and then he goes and kicks the door down to find no one there. Well, that's what I think happened. I think that, I think hackers tricked them and they set the VPN to route to wherever the ESPN Plus servers are. Because when they uh, crash, <laughs> oh yeah! Did you see all that? Just saying, the ESPN Plus uh, uh, subscription, the streams Whatever, for the pay per view yeah. were not working yeah. on the West Coast. 
Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And obviously that was the main market that they catered to, but with having the fight start at 4 a.m. So, I mean, how frustrating must that be? Like, did you guys see Kevin Lee's tweet? He was frustrated. He was like, Dana, I'm streaming this thing. You know where yeah. I'm at. If you collect yeah. the money. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. But I mean, <laughs> just take it yeah, imagine, check, spending, yeah. <laughs> imagine spending like, what, the equivalent of that is probably close to like maybe 50 pounds or something over here. But I'd be... I'd be hella annoyed if I spent that type of money and I couldn't even get the stream. I think the waiting line to get your refund was like at one point, like 900 people deep. Yeah. Like you had to wait in line. Our own Steven Morocco tweeted a a photo of it. There was like 700 people in front of him, but yeah, that was a nightmare. Uh, Another question from Terrence Leverett this time on Twitter. Connor looked uncharacteristically nervous walking to the case. He didn't seem as light on his feet. Do you think Connor viewed this as more of a boxing Match warm up coming in, not an MMA fight. Also, he said his sparring partner doesn't hit partners doesn't hit him hard. Does he need new looks in sparring? Well, uh, I know for a fact I've heard from a few people that they think the Connor's foray into boxing just do his flow off because he isn't. Mm-hmm. He, he it's it's his striking. He doesn't throw as many kicks. He's very uh, it's kind of a hybrid of like boxing and MMA striking right now. And this question that Terrence is bringing up about his opponent, his his sparring partner is not hitting him hard. Casey, you train right now. I don't know if you're saying if you train or have trained, you can't really hit calf kicks as hard as you can without pads in camp. Yeah. You can't. You'll yeah. mess your leg up. Like you can wear pads, but you're not going to be able to feel it. So when Connor said, I've never felt that before. And people are like, what do you mean? You're a professional fighter. I believed him because you can't train those. It's not like you can unload on people's legs in camp. Cause you're getting like, you saw what happened in a fight. Imagine that damage accruing over weeks and weeks and weeks leading up to a fight. So I believed Connor when he said that. I do think Connor's foray into boxing threw him off for sure. Uh, he just was very boxing heavy and didn't throw like his snap front kick that we've seen a million times, his spinning back kick yeah. to the body that we've seen a million times that he famously hit on Chad Mendes. You didn't see that. Uh, but just saying, what'd you make of Connor's um, stylistic approach to his matchup against Poirier? Yeah, he, he seemed obviously he brought in uh, his his old boxing coach Phil Sutcliffe, a very well respected boxing coach in uh, in Ireland, and it just seems that as you said, he took a very boxing heavy a- approach, and he even said it in the build up to to the fight that he was treating this as a as a warm up for for a Manny Pacquiao fight, and I mean adopting that approach against Poirier in hindsight was was, was a terrible idea. I mean, I don't think it, none of us envisioned. Poirier going to the well of calf kicks so so often, but Connor he's just not the same. He's not as light in his feet. He's not. He, he doesn't hand fight as well. That was a a, a key thing in the, in his fights with uh, Eddie Alvarez in particular. That the hand fighting he was doing and the pouring out was it was beautiful and was key to his uh, his flawless victory that night. But he's very very heavy on it on his lead leg now, and I think that's. Well, a lot of people were saying in the build-up, "Oh, yeah, Poirier could could make use of that." However, I didn't I didn't pay too much attention to it because I thought, "Oh, well, he's still somewhat light in his feet and, and whatsoever, and he'll be able to check the kicks." But that didn't happen. So I I, I think he's he's kind of got to re- re- revert back to to his old ways. Obviously, take the lessons that you've learned from uh, reuniting with your boxing coach and try implement them to a certain extent, but do what got you to the dance. I also remember like they did the I can't remember which fight it was for. Maybe it was for the Aldo fight, maybe it was for the Mendez fight. It was one of his fights at Featherweight. And he was going to the this guy and he was like 
stretching his leg. The guy was doing crazy stretches on his hamstrings to make Connor hyper flexible because Connor wanted to use his kicks as punches. Like he's like, I want people to be afraid. Like I can, they can be as close as I can. They can, and that they should still fear my kicks because that's how flexible I am. You don't really see that Connor right now. He's obviously we've seen it all flat on his feet. This and that doesn't pour. Yeah. also hit him really hard. So uh, take that. You yeah. gotta take that. But Casey, as someone who trains, what did you make of Connor's approach to the fight? Well, um, back to the, the calf kicks. Yeah, you're right. And sparring is really difficult. I mean, I'm assuming if you're sparring with your own training partners, like you don't want to break your own, you don't want to break your toys, as they say. So it's hard to throw calf kicks with the same velocity you would throw it. Uh, you would throw in a real fight. They're, they're kind of like standing elbows and elbows in general. It's hard to throw yeah. elbows in, in, when you're sparring because yeah, it's we either. We saw that when, when, when Askren and Woodley were flowing, they would like air throw elbows but not actually connect. Yeah, you have to be, yeah, you, yeah, you have to be really careful with elbows, especially in sparring because, you know, one little cut, you know, uh, suddenly everything's all yeah. screwed up. But mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, I just think Connor's coaches got severely out game planned by um, Dustin, Dustin's coach, which yeah. is his main coach is Mike Brown. Um, there was a, it's a really good video. Actually, I was very, I was very impressed. Uh, I think BJJ scout put, um, comparing, um, Dustin's calf kick, vi- calf kick, his road to victory with calf kicks, very similar to just a couple weeks ago with Mike Brown's other, um, very, uh, high level student, Kyoji Horiguchi. Yeah. Kyoji mm-hmm. Horiguchi just won a main event and he, d- and it was a rematch. Against another, a- another vengeance. Yeah. Another, yeah. Against a guy, Kyoji Horiguchi. Got dominated, got knocked out by Kai Asakura the first time they fought. They rematched on New Year's Eve, and uh, Horiguchi just nailed um, Asakura with um, calf kicks. And so, like the the game plan was already out there as far as Mike uh, Mike uh, as far as the coach Mike Brown. And so, uh, uh, Connor's coaches, yeah, you got you got Connor's coaches need to see what the what Dustin's coaches are planning. And um, it was out there, and I think Connor's lack of just cage time really hurt him. Because um, Dustin mentioned this in the uh, post-presser. He took a bunch of calf kicks from Jim Miller. And a, a fight, a fight yeah. that he won. But the USC 204, uh, I believe. Two, yeah. I think, yeah. And even though Dustin, two, won, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dustin won that fight, but still had to go to the hospital afterward because his legs were so messed up, even in victory. So Dustin Poirier had that real in-cage experience knowing, oh, those suck. And I can kick even harder than Jim Miller can. So... And if, and obviously Connor wasn't ready for them, and he didn't adjust, and yeah, it got him. It got him. I mean, there, I think there were a lot of factors why Connor lost. That was um, one of the main ones. Yeah, and uh, it's remember when Connor was coming up, and he would talk about Jose Aldo. He would always be like, "Oh, he would always bring up his tie boxing stance." I mean, flat on his feet. And I, I remember there was uh, we talked uh, some of the media talked about it. Uh, at, on Fight Island, there was some interview, and I can't remember what it was. Before, it was a scrum, I think. And basically, Conor McGregor re- recited every single person up ranked above him. He knew their reach off the top mm-hmm. of his head. And I don't know if that's the same Conor McGregor we're getting anymore. That is so obsessed with MMA. Like, he knew every, like, he'd be like Korean zombie. Uh, so and so reach inches in reach like i we, that's maybe it's just not the same connor i, I have literally no idea uh but yeah mike brown 100 percent outcoached john kavanaugh uh, with that and uh, also someone on reddit brought up a, like a four or five year old interview with boss rutin and he said exactly what dustin poirier did five years ago he goes this is how you be conor mcgregor calf kicks because of his wide stance heavy on his lead foot blah 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 so and so finished him in the second round 
that is what Dustin Poirier did. And I think it shows <laughs> yeah. Boston for recognizing that like five years ago. Yeah, I actually spoke to Buster in fight week, and he he said the the, the the same thing when I asked him for a prediction. But again, I still was of the school of thought that, oh, yeah, Connor's still somewhat light in his feet or whatever. But evidently, I mean, we saw from the, the first couple of exchanges, you saw how heavy he was leading on that right leg. And then it was there, it was there to be hit. And once and once Connor's cardio goes just a little bit down past 100%, so say he's mm-hmm. like 70%, He's a little bit heavier on that foot, and then he just can't get out of the way. And it only takes one good calf kick. And then, I mean, Michael, the guy who the guy who blew everyone away in the co-main event, Michael Chandler. That's how Lost one of his last Dennis. losses got and a calf Dennis, kick. Yeah, yeah, he got a calf kick, yeah. and he was just like, and then we, we and same as uh, Sean O'Malley a couple Sean months O'Malley. ago. Yeah. So like those things can like man, you can just train your butt off, but you take one wrong kick on the calf, and all of a sudden just your game's gone. Yeah, and uh, just remember, uh, yeah, exactly. And remember, didn't uh, didn't uh, Cejudo landed one on uh, Demetrius Johnson, right? Am I correct? Or I think, yeah, I think it was like one really hard one that made a buckle. Yeah. Uh, DJ, oh, no, it was other way around. I'm sorry, it was other way around. It was other. It was it was Demetrius right. that landed it because I'm, I'm remembering it right now. And Cejudo, like literally, his ankle was like wobbling like like that. He was <laughs> the drop. Yeah. Is yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some Randy from Randy at Bunch Flood on Twitter. What would make the least <laughs> amount of sense for the UFC to do with a lightweight belt? I've seen people talking about Dustin V. Diaz for the belt and make zero sense. So it's probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah, Dustin V. Diaz for the champ for the UFC lightweight championship would not make any sense. So it will probably happen. But oh man, so Casey, I'll start with you. Which fight would make the least amount of sense? But let's try to keep it semi-realistic. Yeah, so don't say uh, Clay Guida versus uh, Bobby Green <laughs> in the lightweight title. Like, let's actually keep it like this could happen, but it would make the least amount of sense. Conor McGregor versus Joe Duffy out of retirement for the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fight we want to see, man. Revenge. Um, no, uh, I, actually, I think, I think uh, Randy got it right. I think Dustin versus Diaz. Is a fight that makes zero sense, makes a lot of money for the UFC. It's a fight that Dustin wants. It's a fight that Nate wants. Um, Putting a belt on the line just seems absolutely ridiculous. If if those guys want to fight, cool. It really delegitimizes any worthiness to the uh, UFC um, championship belt if they put a title on that. Um, That's why I'm I'm very... This is a little side note, side bar, whatever. Um, I'm kind of confused on Dustin's angle on this because sometimes he goes, he goes, I want to fight Diaz. I want to fight, uh, you know, Charles. You know, I don't want to fight Michael Chandler, you know, or I'll fight Connor again. But then the other time, but, but even mentioning Diaz, you know, that's Diaz. That's just strictly a money fight. It's a grudge match and money yeah. fight. But then on the other side of his mouth, he kind of talks about, I just want to be a champion. I just want to tell my wife I'm a champion. Well, you're not going to be a champion if you fight Nate Diaz. You have to fight. Oliver or like a Chandler if the if the UFC um, decides yeah. that way, um, so I, I was just confused on the Nate Diaz thing. Um, but Dustin, yeah, Poirier versus Nate Diaz for the belt makes zero sense, and I think yeah, Randy's right. It, it, there's a good chance it will happen. <laughs> I don't have any problem if they do Chandler versus if they want to do Dustin versus Diaz for just a fight. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. And if they do Chandler versus Oliveira, I have no problem with that too. And then the, like because if because right now, Dustin Poirier is the number one lightweight. 
the, on the rankings. Khabib is still, for some reason, still the champion. We just had this big conversation that Dustin might be the second greatest lightweight ever. If Nate Diaz goes out there and beats Dustin, I don't have <laughs> a problem if they want to throw him into a title fight because you just beat the number one guy. Yeah, so if you beat the number one guy, go fight for a title, have at it, don't care. If they want to do Chandler versus... Oliveira or Gaethje Oliveira and then Diaz, Poirier, and the winners fight each other. I don't have a problem with that either. Tony Ferguson's out there. Justin Gaethje's out there. But yeah, Dustin Diaz shouldn't make any sense. Chisenga, if you are booking, so I'll, I'll I'll flip this question around. If you have full control, what are what are the next few fights for the top of the lightweight division that actually makes sense to you? That actually makes sense. I, I, I mean, Dustin wants to be a champion. He's got to face the the most informed lightweight there is other than Habib. And that that's, that's Charles Oliveira. And for me, I would do Chandler versus Gaethje. That would be my second fight. And then I'd also try to Connor versus Tony, but there's some legs to this Nate Diaz thing. I mean, just the way that when the trilogy fight with Connor kept, was kept uh, being put to Dustin, he, he kept mentioning Nate and I wouldn't be surprised. And there is, there is precedent for a Diaz brother getting a, a title shot on the back of the loss, because you'll remember Nick Diaz lost to Carlos Condit for the interim lightweight, uh, lightweight welterweight uh, title, and then he fought George St. Pierre in his next fight for the undisputed title. So, I mean, people were saying that, oh yeah, Jose Aldo getting the title shot at um, a bantamweight was the uh, was the precedent for this, but this precedent was set a long, long time ago. And given the amount of money that the fight would make, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they did that. I like your setup of uh, uh Poirier uh Oliveira Gaethje Chandler and the uh, I don't have any problem with that uh I, the Tony Connor fight I think is the one that the UFC would want to get to maybe because maybe they look at Tony as like past his prime maybe they think yeah. T- Connor can beat him he's still a big name top five greatest lightweight ever so on and so forth so I don't have a problem with that either someone in the comment section said Holloway versus Connor two at 155 Probably not going to happen, uh, but it would still yeah. be a fun fight. I just don't. Yeah. If the UFC yeah. wants Connor to win, I just I think Ferguson is a bad matchup because I I just don't think Con- Connor has the cardio to beat Tony Ferguson. Yeah, he has the power to hurt him, but I don't think he has a. I don't think he's. I don't think at fifty five, he necessarily has the cardio to actually to finish um, Tony Ferguson. I think Tony Ferguson will actually end up defeating. Connor in the later rounds, but um, it's still a cool fight. But this is only if the UFC wants Connor to, if, if UFC wants Connor to win, which I think they do because that makes him more money. I think Ferguson's a bad idea. But uh, I think if the Nate trilogy would be a good one for Connor too. Yes, yeah, that, it, yeah. It, it seems perfect right now. But um, yeah, um, I'm, uh, yeah, a good point you make about um, Ferguson's cardio because I remember um, watching uh, the. Who did he fight at two to nine when he fought Anthony Pettis and just his his work rate just kept increasing, increasing like with each passing round. Like I've never seen anybody put that amount of pressure on, on somebody like so so late into the fight. Like as as the fight's getting on, the pressure just keeps on increasing. And I mean, Tony Ferguson's a cardiovascular freak. So that's a very that's a very salient point that you make about a potential fight with Connor. I mean, with Connor, I think you've got a weather like the first eight to nine minutes and then that's where it gets a bit dicey for him and i mean that's when tony kicks on from so it could be a tough one uh i'll ask you guys this i know it wasn't asked in the anything is dustin 
the favorite to be the lightweight champion moving forward now if Habib is officially retired? Well, Habib is retired. Would you say that Dustin is now the best lightweight in the world? Because like, if he rematches Connor, I favor Dustin. I would also favor Dustin against Charles Oliveira. I would also favor Dustin yeah. against Michael Chandler. I just think Dustin's better. I just think he's peaking perfectly right now. Yeah, undoubtedly he's the best lightweight in the world, other than Habib. But we need we need some clarity of what the, what the hell is going on. Like I, I was expecting some sort of dramatic change today because obviously uh, not today, uh, yesterday Tuesday was a ranking day. So I thought, are they finally going to get rid of Habib from the rankings and then we'll have a bit more clarity? But lo and behold, that's that's not happened. And I think Dana just needs to stop pestering, uh, <laughs> stop pestering Habib and well, and his mother probably. It's probably I was about to say sliding in Habib's mother's DMs or whatever, but he's probably just communicating with her somehow. I don't know, but he, that that needs to stop. Like I, I mean, just let the man. Didn't he say he wants to go back to university and like tend to his yep. farm or whatever? Yeah, just let him go do that. He's he's giving you some some big fights. You've made a lot of money from him. Just let him ride off into the sunset. That's not how Dana works. Yeah, he's made a lot of money, but Dana can make more money. <laughs> What's better this than a lot true. of money is more money. This um, is very true. Yeah. And, and Habib, man. Habib versus Dustin, too. It's trending bigger than Habib versus Connor, man. It, it's trending, man. It's trending. I'm just saying. I'm just uh, saying. Unreal. Um. We have a lot. Okay, now we're going to start going through speed rounds, um, speed questions. But um, I've thrown this out there, and man, I love this fight, but I don't think it will happen. But I freaking love it. That's what we just t- said like a few minutes, like a few minutes ago. It's Holloway? gonna. It, I love it. It's not gonna. Yeah, I said Connor Holloway too, lightweight. Love it. Probably not gonna happen. Absolutely love it. I. Who's favoring that fight though? Holloway. That's yeah, that's probably. the thing. I. I, I as much as like we still say Connor is still an elite guy, but then like ah, but I would pick Gaethje over Connor. I'll pick Ferguson over Connor. I'll pick Holloway over Connor. Like I'm picking all these guys over Connor, and so it's I still think obviously Connor's a top A level lightweight, just not A plus, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so rapid fire right now, Casey. <laughs> last question from Terrence the Paul said they would box MMA fighters and take an MMA fight with real boxers it seems like a variation of a boxing model where it's advised to hand pick your matchups Bellator does this do you think UFC as should as well to build stars so I've said this I like I don't I, for all of the flack we give the UFC for like matchmaking and not making sense and this and that I don't have a problem with a lot of the matchups they do because they can build big stars because I've, I've, brought, I've said this a few times on the A-side, just saying again, uh, to put this into perspective, one of the biggest stars that should be around in your part of the world is Michael Venom Page. He has everything. He, he has all of the tools to be a massive star in the UFC. And the, the Bellator keeps giving him these fights that he should win. And every single fight we're saying, all right, the next fight should be a step up. Next fight should be a step up. I actually had him winning, like I not winning, but he looked good against Lima until he got oh, knocked he out. He was doing a good job off his back, controlling the wrist and everything. And then he himself said when he got knocked down, he was so confident on his feet after the first round that he made a mistake and went forward rather than yeah. backwards. Forward. It was one mistake. That's all that matters. An so. L is an L. MVP started fighting, I think, before Corey Sanhagen. And Corey Sanhagen is out here wheel kicking number one 
bantamweights in the world, main eventing, <laughs> main eventing fight nights, fighting former champions, and and the, where he's like top, getting number one contender fights. Michael Venom Page should could have that if he was in the UFC. So I don't have a problem with a lot of the UFC's matchmakings because they do build up guys like look at look at Holloway, just win, 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 win. And all of a sudden he's cleaned out the division right away. I wish Bellator would give these fights uh, that the fans want to see. I do like their Grand Prix because you can't argue with tournaments. You can't, yeah. but I also like – I want to see MVP fight Larkin. I want to see MVP fight Lima again. I want to see all these top welterweights fight him. But just saying, what are your thoughts? Because I could go – I could ramble on about this forever. Do I think the UFC should – Get in the pole business or whatever. Or, or, no, 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 no. I, I, just, I, I, I don't like the idea, and it, I don't like the like. When I saw the announcement for the Ben Askren fight yesterday, I kind of, I don't want to say my heart sank, but there was a, a bit of a sigh of despair because I, I mean, Ben's legacy in mixed martial arts is 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 already cemented, but I, I think now, obviously, he was got knocked out by Jorge Masvidal. That was that'll be two years in the summer. That's actually not, not yeah, that's gone by very, very, very quickly. And I think now he's in danger in terms of the casual perception. He's, he's in, I, I think he's in danger of being knocked out by, by Jake Paul. I, I, I know yeah. a lot of people are going to come at, come at me for saying this or whatever, but I, I, I truly believe that. And let's not forget, I think there's a 13 year age difference between them. I think Ben's 36 and Jake Paul's like, 23 years or, or something like that. coming off major hip surgery. That's hip surgery. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. yeah. And, and, and he hasn't been, like, he, he hasn't been trained. I think he's only been resumed training late last year. If I, if, if I'm yeah. correct or if I'm wrong, yeah, I'm wrong, but he hasn't been reversing, immersing himself in the sweet science as well. That that's, that's another thing. That's all that uh, these pole brothers have, have been doing. So I don't like the Ben Askren matchup for that and the polls fighting uh, taking mma fights against real boxers nah come on man i don't i i don't want to see this see this stuff i i, I get it there's kind of a, a market for it with these younger fans or whatever i, I say this now because i'm like in my 30s i can get away with saying the younger kids or, or, or what have you <laughs> but i i for one I'm, I'm glad the ufc they kind of went down that route with um with, with CM Punk, but obviously CM Punk, he, he he took it seriously. He immersed himself in mixed martial arts for a good two years before he actually fought um, Mickey Gall, and then he fought Mike Jackson. Obviously, it didn't go the way that the UFC would have would have hoped or, or what have you. But I'm glad that they've shied away from the uh, the show business side of things, and I don't want them to to go anywhere near that side of the side of the, the fight game, which is now. It can work out. Brock Lesnar worked out. He became champ. He's one of the biggest stars in the history of combat sports. And then you get guys like Kimbo, where they gave a legitimate chance to on the Ultimate Fighter. Gave him yeah. like, who like Houston Alexander was a bad dude. Yeah, exactly. Kimbo yeah, beat him. So like, it works out sometimes. But the UFC throws them in there with like legitimate killers. They're not picking fights for these guys. Kimbo, what Kimbo, you say, Casey? They made Kimbo fight Roy Nelson in his first fight. Well, I think they didn't make they didn't make them. The coaches picked. Because for yeah. whatever reason, if you remember season 10 Rampage, they go, do you want to pick first fighter or first fight? And he's like, fighter, Kimbo. And I was like, stupid, stupid. Yeah. They're going to match up with <laughs> Roy Nelson immediately. Yeah, so and that's what happened. You you change. Yeah. It's, a, it's a reality show. Everything's fake. There's no reality in reality TV. So they, I can't believe they did that. That's, 
I don't know. I, I'm going back. I'm going back a decade now. Now I'm, I'm still annoyed at how the UFC handled that, but they got good ratings, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and they so still gave him fights after, like he he got yeah. the fight against Houston Alexander, he got the fight against Matt Mitrione. So like those are big. Those are talented fighters. They're not just yeah. fighting YouTube stars. Matt Mitrione knocked out Fedor. <laughs> He's like, yeah. yes, he did. Double knockdown, man. That was crazy. I remember. Yeah. Ah, but going back so to your point he had a martial arts background with wrestling though. Yeah. I think so, that was Logan that had the the bat the like Logan oh, was so a legitimate did. wrestler. Yeah. Because yeah. did you see him uh, that video like uh, well, with Paul, him, I, I know with him and Paulo? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the some of the scrambles were he looked good and like you could tell that obviously he's well versed in wrestling, but I mean I just want those guys nowhere near MMA because We've had we've had some circuses in MMA. Obviously, uh, Floyd Mayweather fighting Connor. Obviously, but obviously that wasn't boxing, but it was a crossover thing. But the less circuses, the better. <laughs> I know it puts new eyes in the sport, and there's an argument for that. But at the same time, I don't want to see the legitimacy of it yeah. ruined. And by- I I really I really enjoy amateur wrestling, and I really enjoy boxing. But our own colleague Damon Martin, who works on our site. He mm-hmm. is so much more ingrained in the amateur wrestling world than me, and he also lives in Ohio. He said Logan has a very legitimate background in amateur wrestling, so uh, he would have not he would have a, not a problem transitioning to MMA. He would have it would be easier for him than boxing. And then Andres Hale, who was on the A side a few weeks ago, he covers he works for Dazone too. He covers box. He's been covering boxing for like 10, 15 years. He is much more uh, has much more of a vast knowledge about boxing than me he's people in his world say jake paul has a very good jab in boxing and he's taking it yeah. very seriously so i believe those guys because they've been doing this for so long i actually do think jake paul has a very good shot at beating ben Askren, especially coming off major hip surgery for yeah ben Askren. yeah hip surgery <laughs> is life changing and, and, and Andy M in the YouTube comments uh, saying MVP in the UFC, bunch of laughing emojis, land to the slaughter. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe. Wait, but I, we don't know. We, did, we don't know. We That's just, the point. We don't know. We just did every single, the one constant in all the years I've been working in MMA, it's the same thing. When someone goes to UFC, they're going to get slaughtered. When Justin Gaethje goes to the UFC, he's going to get slaughtered. When Michael Chandler goes to the UFC, he's going to get slaughtered. You know, when Eddie Alvarez goes to the UFC, he's going to get slaughtered. I hear that so many freaking times. It's just like, dude, just because they fought their entire careers in a cage without eight sides doesn't mean it somehow doesn't count. It's All that matters is the guy across from them. And Michael and Michael Venom Page has fought tough dudes, and he's lost to some tough dudes. He's lost to he's a lost very to tough one. He's lost to he's one. Lost to one. He, he, Douglas Lima, who I consider probably the number two welterweight in the freaking world. Yeah. So, uh, so I just, this is more of a hate post I put up there. I don't, I don't, yeah. I, I believe nothing about this. <laughs> I will never forgive Bellator for making MVP versus Paul Daly in Connecticut, though. That was foolish. That should have been in the oh, year. Now, yeah, I thought and Mirko was wasn't Mirko in the co-main like why is Mirko and then the two biggest star two of the biggest stars in the UK fighting in Connecticut all of that should have been in the UK I guarantee they Coker I guarantee Coker wanted it that way but I'm sure just you know things can't just don't happen that way yeah it's not and let's not talk about MVP versus daily ever again because I was because we watched that together, Jose. <laughs> that was very. Oh <laughs> yeah, I forgot about. We were we were you were in Phoenix for that. That yeah, was the yeah. same weekend. And we were so excited. We were like, "Oh man, they're fighting! I can't wait for this fight." I was like, "Oh no, why did I get excited I wrote, for this?" <laughs> I wrote a 
I wrote three articles for about the UFC card in the span it took for that fight to be over. Oh, that wow. That's but yeah, MVP <laughs> in the UFC, maybe he gets destroyed. I still want to see it. Like, you're telling me you wouldn't want to watch MVP fight anyone in the top Brock, of your Brock Lesnar got destroyed when he came to the UFC. <laughs> but he's still, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. Will Brooks came to the UFC and won his first fight, and that didn't turn out. So, like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. you, you don't know. And he lost yeah, his he, first fight. Like, it happens. Yeah, it happens, man. It happens, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, who did it? Eddie for Donald Cerrone's first Cowboy. fight, if I'm correct. Cowboy, yeah. 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 All right, from Eve Edwards Casual, from at Casual Eve. In 2020, we saw so many groups retire. How likely is it that 2021 is the year of a lot of dominant champions lose, like Usman, John Jones, and Izzy? Well, John Jones isn't a champion right now, so he can't lose his title. He gave it up. Uh, but yeah, so fun stat. I brought this to Dana's attention on the last pay-per-view. 2020 saw no defending champions lose their title. The only new champions were vacant title fights or interim title fights or stuff like that. No reigning champion enter the, entering their fight lost in 2020. Oh. So history would show we would probably get maybe one uh, in 2021. Izzy, maybe. Uh, I think Jan could also lose, but he's not a dominant champion yet. I think Usman has a real tough fight in Burns and a bunch of fights. The Colby Covington fight's no guaranteed win either. Uh, Stipe yeah. could lose too. I would like Engano yeah, could yeah. touch you and you die. But yeah, what do you think, Chizanga? Any of these dominant champions losing? Uh, I think out of all the ones you mentioned there, I think Gilbert Burns poses the the biggest threat to Kamaru Usman in terms of the the, the opponents. I think the the skill set. I mean, his, his striking has just got so much better, and I mean, multiple world time jujitsu champion. Usman's not going to want to take it to the floor. So I, I think I think Usman, out of those ones I mentioned, is probably the most likely to be dethroned. But this is Steve, Steve Francis. I I don't see I don't see drastic improvements in, in Francis. It makes me confident that. You know, Oh, are you know I, I asked Francis. This. I brought the case. You were there when I interviewed him. I go, Francis, do you think you've shown enough improvements in between? Because this was right after he knocked out. I think it was after he knocked out JDS. I can't quite remember. Yeah. I go, have you? You think you've shown improvements since your last fight? He goes, I don't know. I've knocked a bunch of guys out in like forty seconds. What do you? What yeah, else exactly. do you want me to do? But then, but then again, like he's just a victim of his own success in in in, in that regard. But we want to see if one if he can pace himself because I, I don't know if you there's, there's still this clip going around of um, Francis absolutely swinging for the fences and Stipe just showing excellent uh, excellent uh, evasive skills. But I think he's got to well, obviously we, we know that he has to negate the, the wrestling as, as well. So but we haven't seen anybody try to take him down. So we don't know if there's been any marked improvements in that area. He but, beat Curtis Blades twice. Yeah, one was a okay, knockout. I'll yeah. say no. One was a TKO. It might have been a doctor stoppage. I can't remember. Anyway, Whatever. I'll he, say he, he, beat, he beat the crap out of Curse Blades. Twice. I will say two things. I'm just saying two <laughs> words. Two words that I think favors Francis heavily in the in the rematch. Tiny cage. Because if that fight is in the in the apex, that's oh, the God. tiny. <laughs> yeah. You think like see, like Francis has such a long reach, you can just reach over and swing. That's yeah. like he like the smaller, like the smaller the octagon, the bigger I favor Francis. If that fight is in the apex, man, Stipe's not gonna have a lot of places to run away from those uh lunch boxes. Yeah, that's 
that, that's really, uh, that's something I, I didn't actually factor in. And I know a lot of people uh, before the Adesanya uh, Costa fight was confirmed for Fight Island, a lot of people were wondering, oh yeah, how will the the smaller the smaller cage will will favor Paolo? But I think more so that will favor yeah, Francis against Stipe because because as you say, yeah. he's just got the, the, the Izzy Paolo fight was on a big octagon actually. It ended up yeah. being in the big octagon, which did not favor. Well, Powell's game plan was also ridiculous oh, too. Yeah. Should have just no, rushed no. Him. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, uh, any more questions, Casey? I know we're running up on time. Uh, we we got, can do wrap yeah, five yeah. wants. We, we were we took two weeks off. It's not like we have media day because yeah, yeah. this is the first non UFC uh, week we've had in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, la, la, la. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Did we answer this one? Oh, yeah, sorry, we answered yes. that one. Um, oh, man, it's a lot of ones. Three questions. Jose said Abu Dhabi's dark and yeah. Flag to yes. MMG 2K20 on the site. Three questions and a comment. Jose Young says, Abu Dhabi is dark in my soul. What the heck happened to you there? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer because Abu Dhabi was obviously, uh, it is, you do get burnt out quickly, especially with the time zone and everything. Shazang, uh, I think, can agree. There were some colleagues there that didn't take their jobs as seriously as people mm. who cover the sport all of the time. And it really, bothered me because we're all taking time away from our families and friends and relatives and we're flying 8,000 miles away to cover a sport that we love and I just think some people there were not actual journalists and it kind of it really bothered me and it 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 generally like I left some fights like with a very sour taste in my mouth witnessing some of the things I saw from our colleagues in the media so I don't know if just saying I had the same way that was my perspective. And I know if Casey saw it, he would also be pulling out his mustache hair. Uh, that's just, but all in all, all in all, <laughs> Fight Island, all in all, Fight Island is great. It's just nonstop work. I never got used to the time zone. Um, but yeah, I, I'll go as much as the, I'm never going to say no to going. Just got a little annoyed with some people behind the scenes. Uh, Dustin dismissed Chandler in the post-fight presser and spoke about Diaz and McGregor for the belt. Makes zero sense. If Dustin wants to fight for the title, it has to be all very Chandler. If he wants McGregor or Diaz, it cannot be for the title. Your views. Uh, Chizanga, you obviously, this is pretty much what you said verbatim. Yeah. So you obviously <laughs> agree. Do you agree? I, I agree. the same thing too, yeah. yeah. We all agree. Number three, what's next for McGregor? I personally think he has two fights left in him and there are Diaz and Poirier trilogies. Diaz seems like the more winnable fight for him and he definitely needs to win. Corey seems like a bad idea right now, as the great Luke, Tom- Duke Thomas said, Luke Thomas says immediate rematches are never a good idea for someone who just got KO'd. Don't want to see the immediate re- do any any three of us quickly. Do, do you want to see the immediate rematch between Poirier and McGregor? No. Nope. Nope. We all agree. I think the Diaz fight is great. Uh, or the Tony fight. Those are the I think those are the two that Connor should take. Jazanga, yes or no? Yeah, I'm completely agreeing with you in that. Uh, Casey, Connor versus Diego Sorry. Sanchez. Uh, <laughs> Don't even put that into the ether. 
Uh, and then for my, com- <laughs> for, my comment, <laughs> for my comment, he says from MMG2K20 on the site, for my comment, the Invicta card, Casey referenced oh. on the Laura Sanko post show where he wanted to interview the losers featured Carlos Barza, Raquel Pennington, Amanda Nunez, uh, Joanne Calderwood, Rose Namajunas, Tisha Torres, and Paige Van Zant. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, we've talked about this a few times on the show, but not in a while. If you want to look at stacked cards, like historically stacked in retrospect, those early Invicta cards were insanely stacked. If you look at it in, in, retrospectively, uh, I think I looked UFC 160 is the same. I think there's a major, there's a major name in every single fight from the first fight to the last fight. Um, but yeah, uh, go look at those early Invicta cards. Yeah. There are some phenomenal fights yeah. on those. Yeah, I've, I think people, Rose was like two and one or something crazy yeah. like that in this when, fight. When, when people ask me like, "What what's your favorite things you've ever done in MMA?" and I always say covering those early Invicta cards uh, in Kansas City, and I didn't know any of these women were, and I was just watching a fight, watching a warm up, seeing them all week. I was like, I was like, I was like, holy crap, these women are awesome. These are stars. And like, just no one knows. And we're just, they're fighting in front of like 200 people in Kansas City. And I was one of, and I was in the cage. I'm shooting, I'm doing interviews behind the scenes, backstage. I mean, in the cage, you know, I'm in the cage, you know, right before the fight, right after the fight. So as far as just me and my MMA experience um, working in it, that was easily the, the coolest thing. And I was at Laura, and I was there for Laura Sanko's very first fight when she, um, uh, her one and only fight when she uh, defeated Cassie Robb. I was like, oh. Shazango, who's the biggest female star in UK MMA right now? Biggest female star in UK MMA? Or Europe. Uh, I'll just group Europe in general. Or Europe. Well, if, if, if you go in Europe, I'd, I'd still say it's undoubtedly Joanna. She's still the most yeah. the, still the most popular. But if, if we're going in the UK, it's got to be my girl, Molly McCann, my favorite scouser. i got to give her a shout out. And she fights in, I think, about 10 days. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it goes on card in vegas she's so. a she's a very good friend of the show she's been on once before <laughs> she, one of the more popular episodes we've had she's great oh she's she's phenomenal man she's and she's fighting that brazil is it lara profs i can't even say her name yeah i'm not sure yeah yeah oh is that next oh wow yeah that's that's coming around quickly but am i right in thinking that uh that she's come off like a suspension i think she has I'm not sure. I have no was idea not, off the top. Yeah. Uh, she, anyway, anyway, she, but that, that that's going to be good. I, I'll probably say Molly is probably the most popular female in in the UK, and then just below her is Joanne Calderwood, who put on like a, a virtuoso performance against Jessica. I, I just watched the rewatched the fight yesterday, and yeah, she looked very very good. And I love the way that when uh, they were breaking from the clinch, she was always throwing a strike at the end, whether it be a kick or whether it be a knee. But, she she looked fantastic, and I think I think she's probably going to be next for Valentina. To be honest, uh, Laura po- po- Procopio was got had a six month USADA suspension, but she's already uh, cleared to fight. And she's coming uh, off. Well, a, right oh, sorry, and she's coming off a coronavirus too. So she did have a fight canceled. She was supposed to fight earlier this year. She got the virus, oh. and in May, in May, she was she was supposed to fight in Jacksonville. Actually, that's what I'm yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So um, you probably yeah. So, so suspension and coronavirus, but yeah, we'll go, I would yeah. say. Or Valentina, I bet they do on Drod first, and then I think JoJo could fight Lauren Murphy for the No More Contender. Would have a problem with that because I think Andrade's done enough. Finishing Kyle Kagan was very impressive in her debut, uh, and even Lauren Murphy said in that real heated press conference, she she's like, "I don't have a problem if they get Andrade the title fight." So even Lauren Murphy agrees. 
Uh, I think Dana is very much gung ho on it. So JoJo Murphy for the number one contender. I like that on the same card too. I hope it's on the same card. Any more, Casey? What about RDA from Bruno Vieira on the site? Do you think RDA is being overlooked? Former lightweight champion, one hundred percent. Just saying, are you in agreement? A hundred percent, man. Like, I I don't think people are giving him enough credit for the performance against Paul Felder. I think people are just thinking, oh well, he fought the guy in five days' notice and, and what have you. But RDA's resume, people people forget some of the people that he, he's beaten. Just uh, is, I, I I still think he's a world class lightweight. I I, I really do. And to be honest, he's his name should be in the conversation to fight Connor right now as well. I, I mean, agree. if at the time, I mean, he's uh, he's missed out on that fight twice, once through injury, and then remember they were going to do that like interim welterweight title in Brazil, yeah. like I forgot until about the that. Uh, until the Connor's antics at the UFC uh, media day. So I'd I'd love to see that fight. I mean, stylistically, that that was that was a great fight. I think so. Yeah. He should be in the conversation, definitely. And RDA, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. If, if RDA, if he really can make 155 pounds, uh, and still maintain, you know, maximum fighting ability, absolutely, he, he actually can win the title. He's, he's that good. It's just, is he too big for 155? I mean, that's, I mean, not saying Eddie Alvarez beats him every day, like the way he beat him, but. He, that wasn't a good weight cut by RDA, and that's why you know Eddie Alvarez looked like he had such an easy time defeating him um, when when Eddie when Eddie won the title. But the RDA that, that destroyed Pettis, that that crazy cardio that he had, like just like RDA. Who's very next? Good. Who do you give him next? Who do you give him next? Mm. I think it's Connor or the Islam fight. I think Islam. I think you keep him keep him very far away from Connor. Um, for, yeah. for, uh, I say this only from the UFC's money making perspective. In just terms of competitive matchups, I want to see. Yeah, of course, I want to see Conor versus RDA. Wait, is Islam fighting? Is Islam fighting Drew Dober? Yes, I think so. So maybe winner of that, winner I don't have a yeah. winner of that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, found me. It's 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 so weird when you we go. Should this guy fight Conor? And I always go, yeah, but it's not going to happen because Conor's going to Conor may yeah. lose, and that's not what the UFC wants. So it's it's like I'm I'm always answering this from a UFC. UFC perspective, that's that's, yeah. that's kind of important to note. <laughs> of course, RDA, RDA should not RDA and Hooker shouldn't happen because I think I would heavily favor RDA and that would be three losses in a row for Hooker, which no one wants. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we don't know if Hooker's going to fight again. I mean, like, remember he threw, I know. He threw the, get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't like RDA Hooker. Me neither. I think Hooker needs to take time off. Me neither. Hooker. Oh, like talk about game plans. Phenomenal game plan for Michael Chandler. That lead jab, oh, like three times in a row that Hooker basically had to block down and then jab into the overhand, which is perfectly set up. So all these people saying that Hooker lost before the fight happened are completely overlooking Michael Chandler's game plan in that because that was perfection. Yeah. And th- we were talking about calf kicks. Hooker was trying to land those calf kicks early, early doors on Michael Chandler. Yeah. And I mean, it could have been a completely different story if we connected with the soft part of the, of the muscle there. And that would have been... Well, we well obviously we've seen we talked about it before in uh, the Bellator in New York when uh, Brent Primus landed that calf kick and, and well remember afterwards in the corner uh, as well during the break that the was it the official took away the stool and then oh, Chandler ended up don't don't, don't don't bring that up oh I feel I still feel I still feel so bad for Michael Chandler in that moment that was that was so cruel yeah, yeah. about that yeah 
you're listening at home, Google Chandler stool gate. I don't know. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was, it was probably one of the most humiliating experiences I've ever seen a high level fighter have to go through in Matthew yeah. Square Garden. It's like oh, God, yeah. losing to, a, losing your title to a relatively unknown guy like that. And then, uh, then they still whoop. Oh man. <laughs> Speaking of uh, European um, lady fighters. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, is that her? Is How that do you pronounce her last name? Pereira? Uh, Fior? Fior? Uh, Fior? I, I skipped French class in school, so my <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> I apologize if I mispronounce her name. She looked unbelievable. Uh, first female to get a stoppage win in 2021. I uh, don't know if she's a title contender right now, but she's laid the seeds, at least, that we're talking about, it, which is all you can ask. So, yeah, uh, Europe and specifically France, has a legitimate fighter on their hands. And uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce your last name. I'm very sorry. But, yes, go look up uh, her win. Yeah, and I think that's her on uh, how many five win streak now? I, I think. Well, she one. has a super extensive, uh, extensive amateur career. She was, she was a champ in the IMMAAF, and she even yeah. said, like, fighters need to go do that because her pro record is not indicative of the number of Kate on the amount of cage time she's had. Uh, but anyway, she kind of went the, the, the Lomachenko route where she fought like yeah. just uh, uh, so many amateurs. Yeah. So when she, got, yeah. she came as a pro, she was basically ready for elite competition. 100%. It's the same, uh, same as that Muhammad Makayev as well. I mean, he's had yes. extensive experience. I think, what, how many? 23, 23 or 24 uh, amateur fights. And then obviously now he's 4 I know, I believe. Shorty Torres, a good friend of the show, same way. I think he was a champion of the IMMAF, and he had like this long amateur career before he hopped over and became a champ champion Titan. Uh, Rocco Slotic in the YouTube comments, Whitaker versus Costa, Till versus Vittori, your thoughts about the matchups? Absolutely hate them. I think they should do Whitaker versus Vittori and Till versus Costa just because if Costa wins, he's not getting a title fight anytime soon. Uh, Till Vittori I get because Vittori beat the guy that Till was supposed to fight, but Whitaker, Vittori, yeah. two guys coming off wins. Till versus Costa, two guys coming off losses. Just my perspective. Like the fights in general, don't like the matchmaking. Just saying your thoughts. Yeah, I'm in agreement with, with you on that. I mean, if Costa beats Whitaker, there's he, he's going to have to do something. That sucks for the division. Yeah, he's going to have to do something absolutely spectacular. I'd like, I mean, spinning wheel kick Robert Whitaker into a different dimension in like five seconds to, to even – get the get the juices flowing for that rematch but i like the till versus vittori matchup it's kind of uh, a battle of uh, the the best european uh, middleweights but again i think it should be should have been till versus costa and in, in terms of obviously they're both they're both coming off losses and whatever and vittori's on like a is he on a four fight win streak i think he's on a four fight win streak. he hasn't lost since losing to izzy yeah, so I, I think it's at least so it's at least four or five fights that he's had in, in between then, and and he's won all of them. So, I mean, he really should be fighting the former champion in the number one contender matchup. But I, I don't know. Maybe he's been promised a title shot if he beats Till. But that I I, I don't know. I, I don't think that would that that would get. Him. I like Aaron Till. I I will champion this man through uh, through rain or shine or, or whatever. But obviously, he's Aaron Till. Yeah, I'm trying to think how many. So he he beat Gastelum and then then he lost to Whitaker. Oh yeah, so he so he's one and one in the division. So 
What he does have going for them is Izzy really wants to fight Darren Till solely for the striking matchup. I think the UFC is hoping Darren Till wins because if Darren Till wins, I think they just give him a title shot right away because they want the Izzy Till fight because of these four names, Izzy's beaten three of them already. Uh, So if Till wins, I think they give him the title shot, but it is what it is. I just wish it was Whitaker, Vittorian, uh, because Vittorian beating Whitaker, no argument he gets a title fight. Whitaker already deserves a title fight. And then cost yeah. two is just fun. My yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, Jose, about the matchups. It's, it's weird. I mean, obviously they're uh, elite middleweights, but the them facing them facing each yes. other at this time is, is odd. Yes. But the only way the only way I see this makes sense is if the UFC feels that um if Izzy beats um Jan and wins the two oh five belt, yeah. he might be tied uh, up at, he might be tied up at two oh five for a little bit. Even the John Jones thing is out there too, you know, maybe just a cool. random whatever fight versus John Jones. Um, so the think my thinking is the matchmakers are thinking, even if Costa beats Whitaker and whoever, whoever wins between Till and Vittori, those guys could fight for an interim middleweight belt. That's my, that's my, or vacant or or vacant or vacant. You're right. Either way. Um, so that's my only, that's the only logic I see in this, these matchups is the, is the, just gone for a while. And of course, we have Kevin Holland and Brunson coming up too. Can't forget that fight. And then Brad Tavares is now back in the middleweight division too. So a lot of, a lot of fun scraps. Who does Canadier fight next? We well, broke his arm. So. If he's, assuming he's healthy, um, coming back at regular time, maybe Brad Tavares. Yeah, that's a good fight. <laughs> I don't yeah. hate it. I don't hate it. Maybe the loser or win. Maybe the loser of or winner of the Brunson Holland fight too. Jacques Ray is out there too. You know, he just got knocked out. He's coming off an L. A lot of fun fights. Ian Heinish and I, I mean uh, Weidman, Weidman and Uriah Hall are also going to fight soon. Ian Heinish yeah, and Gaslam's coming up. So there's a lot of there's a lot of middleweight fights coming. Oh, yeah, up. My yeah. God, if, if Uriah Hall can put a whooping on Weidman, man, that's just Uriah Hall. Dude, Uriah Hall that. versus Uriah Hall has sold me. Uh, saying if you haven't watched it, go watch Uriah Hall's interview with Mike Heck. Oh man, it's it's different. you've interviewed. Have you interviewed Uriah Hall before at Chizanga? I have I have interviewed you it's, before. It's like it's can be brutal at times. He yeah, hates yeah, doing and yeah, it's, it's, it's the word. This I'd was like, to use. like a, this was a Uriah Hall that I've never seen before. He was engaging. He was witty. He was funny. He was like he was like like it was a great. It was like a thirty minute interview, and it's the no, best no, forty five minute, minute forty five minute forty five minute interview with Uriah Hall, <laughs> and I was captivated the entire time. So and yeah. he sold me on a fight against Izzy. He's like, I want to fight that guy. I don't care. It's all about competitiveness with me. So I'm down for that too. But you sure you're right. The Cam Nivers, the winner of Wyman Hall, I also like. Anyway, yeah, I love we're, I like we're, that we're a little past time, Casey. Oh, we, we're, we're, we're way past hard. time. But um, right. I didn't. I didn't get. I lost the question. But uh, I want to talk about. Um, what do you think about? What do you think about Marina? I, I lost the question, but I want to talk about her. Marina. Marina Rodriguez. Yeah. Marina awesome. Rodriguez. Yeah. Awesome. She's a phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, I can't. I was still shocked at the betting line. Even though Marina Rodriguez is actually ranked ahead of her, Amanda, Amanda Hebas was like a three to one favorite or something like that, which to me was a pick em fight at best. And I picked Marina Rodriguez. I thought Marina, I mean, I love Amanda Hebas. I think she's just a great personality, but I just think Marina Rodriguez is a fighter. It's just so good. And um, I thought, I, I, I think she's got kind of screwed in kind of some very close decisions, but. I just love Marina Rodriguez. Yeah. Marina Rodriguez has beaten a lot of the top strawweights in the world or fought 
and I love Amanda and the Strawweight division is the most stacked film, but like there's a difference from fighting Paige, Random Marcos, Mackenzie Dern, and Emily Whitmire, and then Marina mm-hmm. fighting uh like Tisha Torres, right. Cynthia Calvillo, uh yeah, Carlos Sparza. Like she went through murderer's row mm-hmm. right away. So yeah. uh yeah, shocked at the betting line. I want to see her versus Joanna. It's not gonna happen though. Right, Joanna sitting out until she gets a title shot. Yeah. That's or fans that's- are back. That's fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I, I, I get I get that for you, Anna. I think she's she's earned that kind of sit back and wait, you know. She's yeah, that's true. And obviously the way the, the winner of Marie the winner of uh is it Dern versus Dern Nina? Fight. Are they fighting? Yeah, Dern and Nina. The winner Dern, of that, yeah. I like that fight. Or if Tatiana Suarez comes back, that's a fun fight too. Oh, where's Tatiana? She's, she's been teasing she's been teasing summer. Uh, where is Tatiana? Um. Yeah, we good. All right, we good. So, Shazang, I don't know if you haven't watched before. The guest of honor gets to plug whatever they want. You can tell us where to find your work. You can say you don't even have to talk about MMA. You can talk about whatever you want. You Shazang gave me a great <laughs> lesson on uh, European football that I had learning new things every day. So, plug whatever you want, my man. The floor is yours. Thanks for having me on, guys, first and foremost. And if you like some of my crazy takes, you can get me on Twitter and Instagram at Chisanga underscore Malaya. And I wish you all a good week, people. There you go. Enjoy your non your non-UFC fight week because we're not gonna have, I think, what, eight or nine weeks in a row. Casey, what do you got yeah. to say? Uh yeah, thanks everyone everyone for watching. Thank you, Jose, for all your hard work in Abu Dhabi with the crazy times. And I was there for you. I was waking up at 2 a.m. to run those streams, man. It was crazy, dude. It was crazy. Yeah. I had no idea what I didn't know what day of the week it was. It was like... Shout out to Alex Savas. Shout out to Alex Savas, too, because she worked every single day with us, too. Yeah, just... Yeah, we just... Alex out behind the scenes. She, you know, fortunately... Unfortunately, you don't get to see her face. You get to see mine. But, uh... (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah, just thanks a lot for everyone. And I know there's no no UFC or Bellator this weekend, but there's a great Glory pay per view. It's twenty bucks. Watch it. Um, it starts at, at least on, on West Coast. I think it starts at noon or eleven a.m. So some afternoon high, 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 super high level kickboxing. Twenty dollars on Glory. I think three title fights. Alex Perez fighting. Rico's fighting. A whole bunch of other people. Oh, Alex Perez is for those of you who aren't aware. Oh, yeah. Alex Perez had that knocked out. Izzy. Uh, Israel Adesanya in in his in kick, kickboxing, so he's a big name to watch out for too. He's also making his chopping on the MMA world too. So yes, uh, but you can find this on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcast networks. Just saying, we'll one hundred percent be back in the future, hopefully, especially when a when a UK or European fighter uh, is about to make the walk to the octagon. Because I love getting that perspective across the pond. But until then, we're out. Peace. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. 
and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.